Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of 99 for One. My name is Will Cravens and it's actually the week of Christmas And I didn't want to subject anybody else to coming in and having to record a podcast with me. So today you just get me. And as I promised last week when I was talking to my friend Paul, who's actually been living in his 98 Ford Ranger for the last seven years in San Diego, that we would get back to uh, this trip of looking for my friend Ed. And if you're new to 99 for one, my, my best friend Ed Pelsner, who I grew up with, became homeless in San Diego. And I just felt it was important for me enough in, the, in our friendship that, that I might go looking for him. The golden rule of treating others or loving others the way you want to be loved, or the Bible calls it the second greatest command, uh, just applies. And in my life, when I considered the question, if I were homeless, would anybody come looking for me? I certainly would hope they would. Therefore, I, I should probably treat my friend the same way. And so that's how this began a number of years ago. I started looking for my friend Ed on the West Coast. I live in the Northern Virginia area just outside of Washington, D.C. I took an airplane and flew 3,000 miles and started hunting for my friend. And my first trip, I met a guy named Ted who told me my best chance to find my friend Ed would be actually living homeless like him and not staying at a hotel because he said the other homeless people might trust me if I was willing to do that. And so I did, and I went home and I recruited uh, from some of my friends, people I knew, and uh, do a lot of public speaking, so I shared at a church I was speaking in, and two guys agreed to go with me, Steve Bowman, another guy, Brian Carruthers, and we made the trek, and we lived homeless, and we took no money, and we spent a week on the streets, and if you haven't heard those podcasts, I encourage you to go back and listen to that, because we met some extraordinary friends, Uh, one guy by the name of Kyle, 21-year-old from Irvine, California, who just had a really rough life that, that uh, led his path to the street. And we met a really kind man by the name of Tom, who's blind and 82, and actually wanted to help us find my friend. Uh, imagine a blind guy saying, can I help you find your friend? And he can't even see, but he was willing. And he introduced me to Paul, who shared a bit of his story, and last week talked about depression on the streets. And so here we are back full circle to consider what about Ed? And one of the questions I'm asked often is what was it that made my friendship with Ed unique that I would go looking for him? I mean, you probably have plenty of friends in your life as a kid that maybe you wouldn't look for. And maybe I have the same. But Ed, for me, was kind of a unique friendship, always has been. I met him in middle school. I knew who he was. We went to the same school. But I remember I I was in eighth grade, and I was heading over to a a friend's house. These two friends, twin brothers named the Rosenzweigs, Rick and Barry Rosenzweig. And I was heading over to see them one day. And there was a crowd of guys hanging out uh, next door to where they lived. And Ed lived a couple blocks away. And in this crowd of guys, there was one kind of a, a bigger guy. He was a year older than us. Uh, his name was Joel Mendez. And I remember thinking, yeah, Joel's pretty cool. And he was in gym, into gymnastics and a nice guy. And, and so anyway, I walked up and uh, Joel, you know, as I was just about to walk by to uh, head to my friend's house, uh, he started making fun of me. 
and thought it'd be pretty fun, funny in front of this group of friends to uh, pick on me. Pretty, pretty normal for middle school, high school, early high school days, at least in the, uh, in the 70s, 80s it was. And so he gave me a bit of a shove. And everybody, all the, all the other uh, you know, boys standing around had a good chuckle at my expense. And I knew because I was a smaller kid, he thought it'd be pretty funny. I was a little younger than him, and he didn't expect me to do anything in return. But I thought, gosh, I, I, I'm a little guy, but I don't like getting shoved around. So I turned and caught him off guard, and I gave him a good shove. And he was just positioned a little bit up a, a little bank between uh, the road and his house, front yard. And so when I shoved him and it caught him off guard, he fell straight back on his backside. And, and the crowd of guys had a greater laugh at his expense. And then I thought, you know, it'd probably be smart to run now. I wasn't big, but I was fast. And so I ran. I sprinted uh, from Joel's house around the corner to Rick and Barry Rosenzweig's house. I, I knew, I was familiar with their house. I knew that their, his parents didn't get home from work till about five, and this is just after school. So I just pushed the front door open, ran inside, bolted up the stairs, and hit the bathroom uh, and, and locked myself in because I, I actually heard a crowd of guys behind me, and the guys were yelling, fight, fight, fight. And I'm thinking, no, no, there's no fight here. You know, everybody head home. This has been this has been fun. But I, I locked myself in a bathroom. And this, this crowd of fellas bolted in after me straight up the stairway. And now we're in the Rosenzweig's house. And their parents are not home. And this guy, Joel, hollers, you know, oh, he banged on the door, realized it was locked. and said, open up that door. To which I answered, not, not going to do it. Not going to open that door. And then I heard him ask a question. And he said, does anybody, you know, have a screwdriver or a pack of screwdrivers or something? And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm safe here. You know, this is not like a common tool kids are carrying around. But to my amazement, I hear this one voice on the other side of the door say, I got a pack of screwdrivers. And I'm honestly thinking, who's that kid? Who's the weird kid carrying around a pack of screwdrivers? Uh, sure enough, it was Ed Pelsner. And Ed hands Joel his pack of screwdrivers, and Joel opens the door. And just in the nick of time, uh, my friends Rick and Barry Rosenzweig, their brother Harris, who was older than all of us, a senior in high school, came out of his room and said, what are you all doing in our house? Why don't you all get out right now? And he threw them all out, which I was quite pleased with and then annoyed with this kid, Ed. But I got to know him. And Ed, uh, gosh, I I thought Joel was a good guy, and he was not the nicest guy. And then I thought Ed was just a goofball who carried around screwdrivers. He was a year younger than me. But getting to know him, uh, we had some common interests. I was one of those strange kids. I had allergies as a kid, so I couldn't have normal pets with a lot of hair. So uh, our, our doctor suggested I get a pet snake or lizard. And so that kind of got me into this interest of looking for snakes, catching them. And Ed did the same thing. And growing up in Northern Virginia, when there wasn't a lot of houses there, and we would go on these snake hunts and flip over rocks, look for snakes everywhere, and did all sorts of stuff. We, at one point, uh, got his dad, Mr. Pelsner, who was a World War II veteran, to uh, drop us off at the Potomac uh, River, uh, Great Falls Park on the Virginia side, and we were there for the day, uh, at least till the late afternoon. And Ed and I hiked up the the river uh, north to a, a park called River Bend Park. And when we got there, we thought it'd be cool to do a little exploring. So we we saw that if you wanted to cross the river, the Potomac River, there were these islands at the particular place we were. There were two islands that were between 
there, uh, the Virginia and the Maryland side. And we said, hey, man, let's let's go exploring on the island. We're sure to find some reptiles there. So just before we entered the water, I recall seeing a sign that said, uh, caution, seven, you know, at least seven people drowned here every year. Now, I'm not sure what you would think if you read such a sign, but I know it went through my brain because I, I've made it vocal to Ed. I said, you know, I bet those seven people who drowned every year just aren't very strong swimmers. They really shouldn't let children swim in such a place. I'm sure this doesn't apply to us. And so uh, Ed agreed. We, he nodded, and we plunged into the water and made our way about, you know, 15 yards out to the first island. And we got on there, man. We felt like we were explorers. We're joking. I bet we're the first people to ever be on this island. And we didn't find any reptiles, but we did. On the other side of the, on the other side of the island, we realized we were getting sort of hungry. And I made the comment, you know, my my grandmother, uh, she lives on the other side of the. Uh, Potomac. She lives on the Maryland side. If we crossed over there, I bet she'd she'd feed us some free lunch. And sure enough, Ed Ed agreed. But the next stretch of water was a long stretch. It looked like about a football field of water before you got to the next island. And we got going out in the water. Ed decided for some reason to push a log in and, and to float on top of the log using his arms as uh, kind of paddles. And I, I would say about 10 yards in moving towards the center that river had an undertow that you would not uh, at all imagine just by looking at the top of the water. And we started moving at a rapid rate downstream. And if, if you didn't catch it earlier, uh, about a half a mile south of Riverbend Park is Great Falls Park, named as such for the Great Falls that are there, the, the water and the rocks and people go watch the falls. And this, uh, at this point, it occurred to me, maybe those seven people that drown here every year are as stupid as Ed and I. And I started hollering, you know, for help. And Ed laughed at me and said, well, nobody's going to hear us. We got islands on both sides. No, nobody's going to hear us. We just need to swim hard. And adrenaline kicked in. We swam like mad and just made it to the next island just before the island ended and uh, we would have been drifting further. But cross that uh, to the other side of the island, a short stretch of land. Before you know it, we're at my grandmother's, and she's like, you know, uh, she's from Scotland. And just, you know, where did you two come from? You know, or um, I'm sorry, that's more of a British accent, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but she asked, you know, where we were from. And I said, oh, Ed's dad dropped us off at Great Falls Park, which was true. I just neglected to tell her that it was the Virginia side of Great Falls Park, not the Maryland side. So she fed us lunch, and Ed and I thought it would be a good idea to hike about a mile north before we crossed again. So we had a greater stretch of water to make it back. And uh, truth be known, that they were just that was kind of a weekend in the life of Ed and I. We were always doing different adventurous things, whether it was camping on a weekend where we, we, we went and thought it'd be a cool survival thing after seeing the first Rambo movie, that if we went for the weekend and we took nothing but a, a BB gun and a, a fishing pole, we should be able to survive with no food and, and catch our own food. And that was, uh, we were hungry. It was unfortunate for the eastern box turtle who wandered through our camp. And uh, we named him Tommy, but later we kebobbed him. And uh, I don't recommend it. It really, there's not a lot of meat and it was quite crunchy and uh, didn't have a, a lot of taste. In fact, the taste it had, I didn't care for the next morning. But I, those kind of memories, they just, uh, they make you, you, you bond to those friends that you do different stuff with, things that were out of the ordinary. And maybe you've got some friends like that. You know, we ask the question every week, what about you and me? So what about you? 
and me? Do we have some friends like that that maybe we've lost touch with that we can reconnect with? Do we have uh, some friends, old friends that are in a difficult place in life? Maybe uh, they've lost a job or uh, they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've uh, had a broken relationship uh, or something else. And you and I, maybe the place we are in life, the phase of life we're in, we could help them if we chose to. So this week, just like to give that uh, challenge that uh, to stop and push the pause button on life and think, is there anybody in my life who maybe I've lost touch with? And with uh, why, why social media can be a problem in a lot of areas, it is good for helping you find an old friend. It's worth the consideration, especially during this holiday season, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, to stop and say, is there anybody I need to reach out to? Somebody that may not be doing well that I could help. And that's how it started. You know, I, I found out Ed was homeless and he uh, was one of those friends that was just played a significant role in my life growing up. And we certainly built enough memories together that I thought he's worth going after. Therefore, I'll pursue him. So I did. And uh, that led to, as I said, on trip two, we didn't find him, but we did find uh, all sorts of information about Ed. And next week, I'll pick up uh, right here where we're leaving off and share a bit about uh, ABC News San Diego did a story on us. They heard that myself and Steve and Brian Carruthers were all living homeless to find a friend, and they did a story. So we'll start out and we'll, we'll play the recording from ABC News, and then we'll uh, dive back in, and hopefully I can get uh, Steve or AG Aqua, who were on that trip with me, the third trip, and uh, ABC News put the word out. So that's it for this week. Uh, signing off, uh, 99 for 1. Have an awesome week, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to 99 for 1, a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for 1 and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening.